Hey, it's Bob Fibbs, The Retail Doc. Thanks for joining me on my podcast, Tell Me Something Good About Retail, where I interview some of the best entrepreneurs and retailers and people who deal with retail in a new and exciting podcast format each week. So join me live here, or you can also find out more about me at retaildoc.com. That's R-E-T-A-I-L-D-O-C.com. Let's get going. Today, I'm talking with Colby Williams, founder of Perengo Coffee. He talks about why smaller rural retailers are successful, why he chose to not carry a staple in the South, and the power of online reviews. Hey, Colby, thanks for joining me today on my podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about you and how you got into retail. I grew up in Salem, Illinois, really small town, like less than 8,000 people. There's a little coffee shop there. And my friends, like we thought we were the, the kids on the show Friends. We would go in there every day and like sit between the ferns on the big <laughs> orange couch. And eventually he let us start working there a little at a time. I understand that you had won a, a entrepreneur fellowship, yes? That's right. In 2015, I won the one of the fellowships in the inaugural year, Delta Entrepreneurship Network Fellowship, which they launched that year. And so, I got it that year. So tell me, what was your compelling pitch? We had already been in business for a little over two years when I went and did that. And um, everybody else was still in like the startup phase. So they were seeking funding and uh, looking for partners or mentors or something. And I was already doing it every day. So when I got up to pitch, Actually, I found out about the pitch competition from a, a business advisor in Southeast Missouri. He called me up in the afternoon and said, hey, are you doing the pitch competition tonight? And I said, what's a pitch competition? Yeah. And he said, I thought you were signed up. It's at the casino. You got to be there in like 20 minutes. And so I took off and on the way in my car, I called my friend who is a photographer and I asked him to put a slideshow together for me from photos he already had of my business. Uh, he dropped it out of his apartment window, and I caught it on the sidewalk, got back in my car, drove the rest of the way, and delivered it. I didn't even know what pictures I was going to be using. But I could <laughs> speak to my actual experience of running the coffee shop every day and actual customer stories, and actually this worked, and then this didn't work, and here's where I'm going with it. And, and I think that, uh, that you know, they hear a lot of pitches can get formulaic, like, here's our team, here's our problem, here's right. Here's our solution. And mine was just like, hey, I'm Colby. Here's what I do. And I want to do so, more of it. <laughs> so what was your challenge? A lot of people would say you were nuts to try to open a coffee house when Starbucks is pretty much dominates the category. So why you? Yeah, well, in in southeast Missouri, there when we opened, there were uh, only a couple versions of coffee shops over the course of 150 miles in any direction. So when my parents and I, my parents are in their late 70s and they got into this business with me. They're still really cute. They walk around the neighborhood holding hands at night and, you know, they still enjoy being alive. So we got into it and they're like, they're really awesome people to be around. Everybody would want to come hang out with them. I'm the one with the experience. And there was no other option. So we had kind of like the corner of the market. As long as we executed well, there's nowhere else for people to go. And we didn't really have to worry about a Starbucks because there's not one in my town. 
So what is what was one of the challenges that you learned in uh, opening a business? What was something that you had to overcome that was not just a, a little blip, but was kind of major? Did, did you hire friends and they disappointed you? Did you find that the market ran and wanted to give you money? I mean, what, what were some of the challenges you had and how you overcame them? Well, when it comes to disappointing friends, I think I'm the most disappointing of all of my friends. So my friends were really great and I had like some great support system in place. Um, but the biggest challenge I think was, I think a lot of entrepreneurs are, are working with the idea, especially in retail. This is, I think this is big in retail. We, we always wonder, do we, do we always pay attention to the market and do we change ourselves and our business just to make more sales? Because this is what the market is telling us today. Or do we follow the, the path of like the Steve jobs and stick to our guns, even when everybody is telling us we're crazy. So but give, me an know... example. give me an example of that. Cause not anybody, uh, that's a bad example for me. I don't think Steve jobs works for most other entrepreneurs. It's kind of a, you know, he came up with a product controls, the environment, the stores, everything about it. So what's an example of something that you, um, because frankly, to stay in business in a restaurant is pretty hard that first year. So what does that mean that you uh, pursue, pers you persevered, even though people were saying you should change? Yeah, I, in my location, everybody every morning wants uh, biscuits and gravy, and every afternoon they want sweet tea. Um, <laughs> those are two categories in which I have stuck to my guns. I've said, even though I can make a lot of sales this way, I think that that is not what my brand is. And I think in the long run, that would hurt us because I know I can't make the best sweet tea in town. And, and that's what they like. But they're only willing to pay 99 cents for a 64 ounce. Right. Uh, and in order to get a you know good 64 ounce cup, it's probably got to be styrofoam. You got to add more shelf space. There's just, there's just a lot of stuff that goes along with that. Uh, my drink sizes are smaller. We go for more of like the, the classic European style espresso bar. And by sticking to that, I, I got some really, really loyal people. Some people who are like, yes, this is what we've always been looking for. And everybody who passes by on the interstate, two interstates pass through or terminate in my town. And we get tons of people off the interstate who are, who are yelping coffee or Googling for coffee shops. So it's like halfway for a lot of people on their little road trip. So they stop and they come to me and they're so glad that we're not just another kind of small town, sweet tea and biscuits and gravy type of joint. They want that real coffee shop thing and they're willing to pay a little more when they find out that I do it and I do it really well. Good. So um, you talk about how small towns you think are the next frontier of entrepreneurship. So why do you think that? Is it just from your experience in uh, in coffee or? A little bit, but even way beyond coffee too. Like I think scaling right now with the internet, um, if you have the type of business that doesn't just require people walking in the door and brick and mortar sales, it's easier than ever before. You've got kids are making 9,000 a month just selling products on Instagram, you know, and so if you can figure out how to do that, or if you're the type of entrepreneur who is looking to do that, or you're looking to build an app, or you're a coder or a freelance, uh, like no-collar workforce type of person, you could go do that, or you could launch your company, you could launch your service, you could buy a, 
a franchise or something and you could do that in a large market where your overhead is really really high or you could do that exact same thing now selling to the exact same customers from a small town where your overhead is really low there's also some skilled workforce in a small town that uh, is more expensive and or harder to find in a large city i mean we have uh you know people who've spent their whole life working in a, a factory setting or in a mine or, you know, some type of blue collar job and they know how to weld, they know how to do carpentry. Right. And when they've come on board, you know, in my town, when, when we're able to go find those people and bring them in to, uh, as like general contracting type work or for a special project, or I know some other coffee shops who've hired people like that to make custom made mugs with their logo on it just for their shop. These people love those types of creative jobs and they've got the skill set to do it. And, you know, it costs almost nothing compared to my big city competitors who are trying to do these same things. Well, I think that's the point that you don't you only have to scale to your community. You don't have to end up trying to be, you know, we need to make 50,000 of these before we're going to make money at it. Right. Um, that seems to be it. And I also have been saying for a while now that I think that we are moving back actually in many ways to the era of the pilgrims where the smaller towns are just like you're saying are going to have one person that takes care of you know there's going to be a dress shop and there's going to be a coffee house etc and they may have an online component to it but they aren't looking they're looking to kind of have that balance i think which is different than building a brand that has multiple uh, options around it does that make sense yeah i think that's true the uh, the amount you need to be making a profit and living comfortably is so much lower in a small town and and the comfortable part of it is really comfortable i mean i my business is very small and um i as a young man was able to you know buy a home i have a really cool backyard and i can have my friends over and my family's it's a nice life you know and i think there are a lot of people out there who they're in the grind and maybe they want that someday well i'm i think the message of uh you know that i would like to put out there and and i've written a book about it is that you can have that life now you know that life is attainable and you got to consider small towns in order to get it. Then what's the name of that book in case I forget it? The book's called Small Town Big Money. It's uh, about entrepreneurship and opportunity in today's small towns. And it, it will be released in early November. Okay. Let's face it. There's an awful lot of people that do not have a great success story who follow their dreams. So what do you think some of the things that somebody who wants to be a successful entrepreneur successful and more importantly profitable i think number one we got to work hard but that's old news we all know that we all know that we're probably the hardest working people in our neighborhood like if you look around a, a neighborhood especially in a small town and you can think of those few stores in the little business district that are small stores they're locally owned and they're what we think of when we think about our town if you think about a success well, story here well, that's true, but I, I think also an awful lot of people get into business expecting they're going to be able to do their regular life and that. So, you know, I'm, I just had a kid. I'll be able to run my store. I am going to be able to keep my full-time job, and I'll hire someone to just run this. I, I mean, oh I've goodness. seen an awful lot of people that get into to, uh, trouble thinking if I build it, they will come. I think what most people don't realize is that they're – are a lot of events that you don't go to. There's a lot of times you say, I can't go out because I have to work tomorrow. And you don't hang around with people that say, come on, it's Wednesday night. What, what's the deal, right? So 
what do you see as the as the pluses and minuses someone needs to be thinking about to be successful? Yeah, you have to be willing to put the work in. And I think we have to have realistic expectations here. This is a lot of work and it's hard. I mean, there were times when I would put in my full day and then go to our new location to paint for a few hours and then go back to our original location to roast until two in the morning just so I could operate the next day. You have well, to be willing to the, do that. I think that's the key. You aren't doing it to tell your friends. The reality <laughs> is there is no one to do it, right? You're juggling a lot of things as an entrepreneur. Right. It's all you. You wear all the hats. In addition to that, I think that a lot of, uh, in small towns, a lot of people overlook the fact that we need to know the most and be the best in whatever it is we're doing. I think that putting that extra work in to do the research, to stay up, whether it's blogs or magazines or, you know, listening to podcasts and, and staying up on your own industry. If, if people can come in your door and they know more about your products or services than you know, that's not a good sign sometimes. Those people could say, well, why wouldn't I just order that on Amazon and do it at home? I already know more than this guy. But Great if they point. walk in and you're the expert, then they're, they feel good in your hands. They're like, man, I've got a gym here in my town. I'm going to keep coming here spending money. Yeah, no, I, I certainly uh, agree with that. I certainly think that you've uh, got a beat on it. And, um, you know, it sounds like you're always going. So how do you relax? <laughs> uh, well, I have a, a big bottle of whiskey. Is that what it is? Under my cabinet, yeah. No, I oh. I have a, a lot of good people around me. And, and man, the people in, in retail, especially in coffee shops, but I'm sure that you know in retail experience, there are some funny people who walk in the door, and we can get some good laughs. I they are. You, you said you wrote, you wrote your, in your book. I think you probably have some stories. So what kind of a story could you share with us from your book, whether it's a customer story or, or something as an example of, of what you're talking about in your book? Yeah, this is in my book, actually. I have a little section on just having a sense of humor, which is, I think, what we're talking about right now. Just the other day, this lady walked in, and she's never been in my store in her entire life. She's lived in my town the whole time we've been there, and she's never come in before. She walks in, and she's already angry. She's shaking her head. She's sighing, and I'm like, what's wrong? What's going on today? You look like you're upset. And she's like, well, I hate coffee. And I said, well, you've come to the right place. We've got, we've got if you're going to like coffee, you're going to like our coffee. And she said, no, I'm not going to like it. But every single time one of my brothers gets somebody pregnant, I start craving chocolate. And today I woke up craving coffee, so I got to call and find out who's pregnant and choose somebody out. <laughs> I, I didn't know how to respond to that. I just offered her a mocha, which is a little chocolate and a little coffee, and I, hopefully that'll do the trick for her. But I never, I never saw her again. Apparently it was just a one-day craving, but stuff like that, you know, I, you can't write that. That's just maybe, that's just... maybe in nine months you might see her again. I'm just <laughs> hopefully. saying. Yeah, or might her brothers that... need to behave themselves. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, I love that idea that, um, you know, I think we have a, a really special place in an awful lot of people's lives that um, doesn't exist anywhere else, because when people feel they matter, they buy more and you give them a feeling that they can't get online. They can't get usually in their own work and a lot of times their own family. And when they get that feeling, um, they respond to it and then we can collect those stories and we end up feeling like, hey, I guess I really am doing something more than just selling a widget today. Does that make sense? Yeah, you can't write a business plan out of that woman's cravings, but just by being there, I was able to be a part of whatever was going on with her. 
Yeah, I think that's key. I think that's uh, I think that's really key. Um, so if you were having a friend that was uh, coming to you to say that they wanted to start a new business, um, what do you think the the number one thing that they should have and the number one thing they shouldn't, whether that's in retail or any business in a small town? Um, I think they should get their expectations in line, like we've discussed. And uh, Well, let's go a little further in that. So what do you think the expectations are in line? I'm going to be profitable in two months? Yeah, the, the, the timeline is big. If they uh, need, especially if they need, I think you can overcome the want part, but if they need to be making money or they're going to lose their house or something like that within, you know, 90 days, then yeah. they don't have good expectations. And this is maybe not going to work out. It's going to lead to some resentment or just a crash and burn scenario. Absolutely. And I think they also need their their family and friends, their closest people in their lives need to also understand what they're getting into. And so if they're reading, you know, books, how to start a business or go into a class or involved in their local economic support organization or incubator or something. Um, I think it's probably a good idea for their family, friends, spouse, or significant other to be involved in that process with them. Uh, it took me like a lot of begging for help, you know, to get photos, to get help with Instagram or graphic design to make a logo or something like that. And so like I kind of force the people in my life to be involved with whatever I'm doing. I'm notorious for that. But for somebody who isn't like that and is, uh, and their their friends don't put up with as much annoying stuff as my friends do, <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough life for other well, people to sign up for with you. That's a good point, but it's also lonely as an entrepreneur. You're, you're the only one that knows what it is, and you really don't have the time to go talk to other people. And frankly, talking to other people doesn't make you money. And uh, what do you think the the upside of that is for an entrepreneur that actually does go through and plan it out, especially in a small, small town? Yeah, the access to very fulfilling relationships and experiences that I've been able to carve out for myself or that I've been given by others has been really cool. And that's not something I saw coming. You know, I, I thought of uh, starting a business as, you know, financial security one day and building my empire one day and a, you know, a big ego trip one day, but in all the days leading up to one day, it's been uh, really fulfilling to be invited into the community, sit on the board of this, you know, this neighborhood or this organization, or uh, let's, we want to, we're throwing a big fundraiser. Can we do it in your store? You know, we want you to be involved in this and the, the relationships you build through that. It, and that's the other side. It's, it's not lonely. Once that stuff starts happening for you, mm. You're doing good it all point. on your own to get there, but then you gain so many friends in the process. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think that a lot of big stores uh, particularly struggle with coming up with a compelling vision why somebody should come on board and why millennials in particular uh, can think that they're making a contribution to the world and you know they're doing something to uh, reach out to different communities or, or different things other than just being in a call center or something. So I think that matters too and then probably the same with onboarding uh, employees would you agree yeah my uh just yesterday one of my very first hires came in to visit with us because she was on the way to her wedding shower and she's moved off and done other things since she worked for me but she you know every time she's in town she has to come in because that was such a formative job for her it it turned her into a coffee professional far beyond what we could offer her 
and that led her into travel and that's how she met her husband and so I think that offering a little bit of that I mean there are without being able to define it there are people applying for a job with us who are looking for that they're looking for that extension of their family into their workplace and also a challenge and also they want to they want to be around the high entrepreneurship energy environment but they want those relationships to last and and I think that they they get that over the counter with customers and behind the counter with the ownership team and other employees I I realized lately that I don't go to places as much anymore where the customer is always right even though that's still important I like to feel like you're right you're the best and I want to get whatever you're offering me whatever you're putting on the plate or the way you're wrapping up your monthly subscription box or you know the fragrances you're offering here and the music you decided to play I love the whole experience of shopping in a retail environment with a with an expert at the helm who's crafting this whole experience for me I think, I think that's, that's key. really special yeah I think that's key crafting that experience for you and if you think about that just like the online retailers are thinking about every nanosecond you're clicking and watching and doing uh, I think brick and mortar absolutely is on a new renaissance across uh, the nation as people realize that um, the big box isn't the answer and they somehow feel lonely or going into a lot of places than when they have that experience in the smaller place or even some of the bigger franchises and stores where they really train their employees how to create that exceptional experience. Um, they are gaining traction in a world where we were just told last year it was going to be a retail apocalypse. So um, <laughs> I think that's great. And we've come to the end of our time. How can they find out more about you, Colby? Well, you can always check out ParingoCoffee.com. That's P-A-R-E-N-G-O Coffee.com. Follow the shop on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, wherever you get your photos and things. Also, you can be following along at SmalltownBook.com as the launch is about to happen. There you go. Excellent. Well, thanks for joining me today, Colby. Best Thank of luck. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And that brings us to the end of another edition of Tell Me Something Good About Retail. I'm your host, Bob Fibbs, the Retail Doctor. Please share the love and tell your friends to subscribe as I engage retailers to share their tips for growing your retail business. Find out more about me at retaildoc.com. That's R-E-T-A-I-L-D-O-C.com. While you're there, you can find a transcript of this podcast. You can send an email to me at bob at retaildoc.com to tell me what you thought of this episode. And or you can leave a comment and share your experience right here as it relates to what we were talking about today. Again, I hope you'll tune in for another episode and good selling.